I got my power pole down Stuck in the mud in the bottom of the lake Sitting so still in the wind and the waves Could even be a hurricane I got my power pole down I'm gonna make another dead on pinpoint gas Catch myself a big old bass And another one after that Oh yeah, I got my power pole Hey gang, Mark Zona with you here and welcome to the Power Pole Podcast where we power pole down once a month to talk about news, events, share stories, and answer questions about Power Pole Total Boat Control. Not only that, we're going to sit down with some of the best in the fishing world, fishing guides, professional fishermen, experts to learn firsthand how they use Power Pole anchors, accessories, and technology in different scenarios in all types of fishing. I'm guest host Todd Fuller, and today on the Power Pull Down podcast, I'd like to welcome back Team Power Pull member and host of Flats Class TV, Captain C.A. Richardson. C.A., it's so great to have you back on the podcast again. Well, it's it's one of those uh, one of those podcasts that I look forward to doing. Uh, you know, I get the opportunity to do a few every year, but this one, because of my relationship with Power Pull, has been now nearly 20 years it's it's special it's special i'm i'm uh, proud to be a, in a group that that uh, really supports jl marine and excited about some of the new stuff that's coming out so I, in fact i went by there yesterday oh did you uh, i did i popped in there yesterday and got downloaded on some great great products that are going to be launched later in 2019 and and got to bump into John in the new engineering building and uh, stop through some of the offices and see Robert and Brandon. And it, it, there's so many friends there. That it, That's just a great culture, as you know. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And I tell you, you know, from the look of your social channels, you have really, you know, kicked off the new year with a bang. I tell you, you, get, you had a big move, right? I did. I did. We moved about 100 miles north of the Tampa Bay region, which... I've lived in most of my life, grew up there, went to school there, uh, and now I'm officially in the country. Not, not <laughs> super rural, you know, I didn't go crazy with it because my wife wouldn't allow that, but we went rural suburban, I'm going to say that. <laughs> I've got about an acre and a half of land now, and uh, we're hanging out at the fire pit every night, uh, burning whatever we don't want anymore, and it's, it's quiet. And lots of wildlife and uh, some really unspoiled fishing in this region. So yeah, that's exciting. It's it's, it's beautiful, beautiful place. You know, it just it, she's originally from this area. She grew up in Inverness, so um, and just sort of a homecoming. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, I know that uh, you've been doing also a lot of filming for the uh, the new season of Flats Class. When is that launched already? Is that launching soon? Tell, give us a little more detail. We, we, we will likely, you know, linear television is our huge following on Sun Sports and on Destination America and the World Fishing Network and whatnot. And, and all of that kicks off in April and second quarter. But our best partner, in my opinion, for folks that really want to learn fishing and are fans of our show where they can binge watch and and watch it on their time. You know, that's, that's the new, that's the new thing. Let's video on demand right. is to go to waypointtv.com. Waypoint has been a great 
avenue for us and channel for us to get our information out. And we've launched the season starting this weekend. The 2019 shows will will begin to appear. So the first stop was with a gentleman named Eddie Kabler, who's an avid tournament fishing fisherman out of Jacksonville, Florida. And we targeted redfish and sea trout in Northeast Florida along the first coast there. And it was a fantastic show. We shot, we caught fish on chatterbaits and we caught fish on suspending lip plugs and we caught fish on top water. And we had a few surprises in there with some bluefish as well. So it's going to be a great kickoff show uh, for 2019. And then we've got one from the Florida Keys that's going to follow that. And then we've got one from Pasco County where we, you know, a lot of what I'm going to talk about with you today on techniques for speckled trout uh, during the winter is going to be based off that show I just finished up with Captain Greg DeVault there in Pasco County. So another power pole pro staffer as well. Okay, cool. Well, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a lot of, you know, cold fronts rolling through and cooler water temps and wind and just, you know, all right, tough conditions. And I think, you know, sharing some, some tips and techniques and would be great to do today to give some folks some, 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 uh, some good ideas on how to, how to catch some big sea trout. Well, this time of year is actually a good time to, uh, to really target sea trout because the cooler weather pushes the fish into the shallows where a lot of guys in kayaks and weight fishermen and, and people in smaller boats can, can reach these fish because during the warm months, the fish go a little bit deeper and they spread out. But this time of year, they like to, to warm up, get real thin in the, in the skinny water. And uh, we do really well fishing the potholes along the west coast of Florida. Everywhere I'm, from where I am right now um, in Citrus County, moving all the way down the coast to Naples, these fish will get up and warm up in the middle part of the day and, and sun. And even though the water temperatures may chill down to the low 60s or even the high 50s, they won't be there first thing in the morning. But by lunchtime, they'll be up there trying to radiate in that shallow water. And you got to remember those bigger female sow-sized trout, they have a, lot of, have a lot of fat on them. And they can protect their vital organs with that fat. So the bigger fish will be in the skinny water. And the smaller males will probably likely be in a little bit deeper water because they can't tolerate the cold. The cold will actually stun them or kill them. So they won't be shallow. Only the big ones will. That's why this is such a great time to target the gator-sized fish um, is because those cooler temps concentrate them in that shallow water. Uh, For me, I like to play the weather game, the weather fronts. As you have a a front tide approaching and you start getting the wind out of the south and typically the air temp's a little warmer and it starts to blow a little bit, sometimes it'll spit rain and whatnot, those fish know the cold front's coming. So it triggers them to feed and they'll get a little aggressive. Now, they'll become more aggressive in late February, all of March, and most of April, because that's the kickoff of the big spawn and where they get really voracious. That's my favorite time. But right now, those bigger trout will sit in those shallow potholes, and you can catch them on smaller jigs. Um, you can catch them on, you know, 
Z-Man shrimps or small three-inch paddle tails, and, and they will literally bust those baits on every drop into those holes. But before those fronts, you got a really good shot of catching them on topwater plugs, and that is one of my favorite ways to, to catch them this time of year is to tie on topwater plugs. So a day or two before the front or as the, approach, the approaching front gets here, and you've got that spitty type rain or you've got the clouds and you get that wind that is more southeast, south and southwest as it clocks around, pull out those top waters. I'd use, I would slow walk uh, a she dog or if it's a little deeper and if it's a little skinnier, I would use like a mirror mullet XL or a sheep up. Those are excellent baits to draw strikes um, from aggressive sea trout in shallow water. Those are some of my favorites. Don't, don't be tempted to walk it at the same cadence that you would walk the bait in the warmer periods of the year. Walk it real slow where, you know, to, to audio give it to you, it would be like click, clack, click, clack. Even stop it sometimes. Sometimes um, a good bait would be to, to use a little prop bait or another surface walker might be a popper where you, you pop it two or three times. And it walks the dog a little bit in a zigzag and then you kill it and just let it sit still for a second and then pick up the pace again. And that intermittent type walk the dog stopping motion usually will generate strikes. I mean, that's, that's a good tip um, prior to the front arriving. Now, once the front arrives, naturally you got clear blue skies and the fish aren't going to want to strike top water and it gets a little bit tougher. Um, typically the first day after the front, Todd, I don't, I don't really target the fish the first day after the front, even the second day after the front sort of iffy, but the third day after the front, typically the fish are getting hungry again. And I, I target them pretty hard. Then I'm, I'm going to use suspending baits like the Paul Brown lure is a, is a fantastic bait. It's a larger bait. The larger fish are looking to, to take one big bite. And if you can throw their little devil or their original um, Paul Brown lore. And it's, it's, it's a good choice. Uh, those are also spending the fat boys of a, a fantastic choice. So is mirror lures catch 2000. That, that's been a fantastic bait for us or the Miradine XL. All those suspending type plugs are great choices about the third day after the front, maybe even the second day, if it was a minor front, but the third day for sure, it'll start to really, work for you. Uh, if it's like it is right now in January, sometimes the fish are still a little bit sort of, uh, they're, they're not in the spawning mode yet and they're less aggressive. You can use some smaller jigs in the potholes, but those fish will move shallow uh, by the second, third day after the front. So you need to get up there and, and keep in mind the thinner the water, the more stealthy you need to be. So push poling and yeah, paddle boarding and even wading and kayaking and letting the wind carry you up to the zone is probably prudent if you want to have a lot of success. Move slow. Don't move fast. Move very, very slow. There's no rushing. This long casts are important when you're targeting you know, really big sea trout. It's just they have an incredible spatial awareness. They're a special fish that way. And the reason for is unlike redfish that sort of cruise and hunt and, 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 and 
wallow down in the grass looking for a shrimp or a crab. The, the sea trout is more of an ambush predator that sits there and it's looking around and its visual acuity is very sensitive and it's looking for prey to come to it. Uh, but it notices all the other fish that you may spook. So you have to be careful. It's not so much that you're spooking that trout. You might be spooking in, let's just for namesake, say Mike the mullet 50 feet away. And <laughs> if Mike the mullet comes running by Tony the trout at Mach 2, Tony the trout's going to pretty much figure out there's danger in that direction, and he's oh, yeah. not going to do anything but get lower in the grass. So right. that's the way you have to think of it. So that that long cast dot is very, very critical, um, especially after the front. After right. the front, the long cast and the stealth means more than it does prior to the front. Right. Um, and I know if you do have to fish, that's it. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, when you when you talk about long cast, you know, that's always kind of a struggle for a lot of people, including myself and. I know that you have some specific rods that you like to use in, in line. And why don't you talk about the combination of, you know, rod and reel and line that you use for making those long casts and for using topwater baits and so forth. Well, for, for me personally, a, a seven foot rod is adequate because I like to use a little lighter action rod that stores energy and releases energy well. Right. And I can fire a plug like a hard bait or one of those dense weighted uh, Paul Browns quite a long ways with, with a seven foot rod. But many of us like to use those five inch jerk shads or five inch Cinco worms for trout fishing. There's a lot of advocates for that, that type of soft plastic uh, catching big trout. And you can't generate enough distance with a seven foot bait caster. So you might have to move to a seven and a half foot rod uh, spinning rod. And again, medium action rods with medium flex um, papers are the best. And what I mean by that is you want a rod that will bend at least 30 to 40% down the blank from the tip. And that gives you that shock absorber, that, that rubber band effect uh, that won't pull the fish off and will make with very little effort a long cast. Now, it makes it tougher if you hook a redfish because now you got to reel real tight down on the fish before you strike them and maybe even reestablish a hook set. Right. But for a trout, you, you want that soft forgiveness because they have a soft mouth. And you, if you get good hook penetration, which is often the case because they create it themselves, you don't want to tear a hole in their mouth and you want to be able to play the fish, especially when it gets in close quarters where you can handle them. But I'd say if you're a spinning rod enthusiast, seven and a half foot rod. If you're a casting rod enthusiast, seven foot rod. But moderate actions, not medium heavies, are going to be the call most of the time when you're doing that. And another thing to keep in mind, because you are using those lighter action rods, comparatively speaking, than you would use for redfish, remember to keep the hook wire choices small as well on your plugs. Mm -hmm. So the, the stock hooks that you have on a mirror lure are probably going to be perfect for trout fishing. You, know, you might upsize them and, and, and pick uh, a heavy duty hook if you were red fishing, but don't change them for, for trout fishing. And the Paul Brown lure has the ideal hook. It's a very fine wire hook. But even when you choose your, your bass rigging hooks that you're using for bigger plastics, 
still go with an extra wide gap hook, but make sure it's a thinner wire gauge. Don't go with the heavy duty stuff. You want the thinner wire stuff where it, once you get good hook penetration, it's, it goes right in. There's no big right. barb there to, to really inhibit a good hook set. So make sure that the lighter wire hooks are matched with those lighter action rods and you'll have a lot of success. You know, and in, in, in you talk about, you know, being in super shallow water and can you give us some like tips and techniques and, you know, you, you fish out of the, the Hell's Bay skiff most of the time, but you know, approaching those fish and how, how you come onto the flat and kind of your, what you're looking at from a wind and, you know, um, what the, what the water looks like. Give us some, some insights on how you approach a flat in, in the winter time. Well, if it, if it's pre-front, you know, you're going to have a lot more, um, liberties that you can take. You can be a little bit more aggressive, but if it's post front, which it often is when we're targeting trout, you have to approach it completely different. And what I mean by that, the stealth aspect of the game is you're shutting your engine down, your large engine down well before you ever hit the edge of the flat. I mean, you just glide up there, you get into three feet. You want to have to pull paddle, however you may do it, a good two or 300 yards as you get into the zone before you're in the zone. You can't drive right up to where you want to fish to the edge of the cove and then start fishing and throw a boat wake in there and think that you're going to catch those fish because you are not. Right. So you have to you can't you have to have a little more um, um, forethought before you jump jump the spot where you're going to start to to begin your fishing. And then a lot of us like to put the uh, the sun behind us. But when you're targeting these fish, that can be a mistake because what it does, especially if you're in a skiff or a bay boat, is you silhouette yourself. And you think this, the shallower the water that you're fishing, the lower the angle the fish can see you from a distance. So he could see you from more than a full cast away. So if his, his, his uh, viz is 15 degree angle off the surface of the water, and you're two casts away and he can spy you because you got the sun behind you. That's a problem. Now, if you have the sun in front of you or at some angle off to one side or the other where it lights you up, well, then you're not silhouetted as well, especially if you choose um, clothing that blend into that blue sky, whether it be blue shirts or a cream colored shirt, something um, that doesn't create a hard outline of you. And someone that I talk to this quite a bit about is with Flip Pallet. He mentions all the time, if you notice birds of prey will have a tawny colored breast and the underside of their wings is always light because those birds hunt that way and that where they can't be picked up by the fish until, well, until it's too late most of the time. That's why they're, they're here. So you have to have that same mindset when you're fishing when you approach an area you have to think okay i don't want to silhouette myself especially when it comes to trout that are paying attention and it also keeps your lure from being silhouetted as you cast because it's lit up as it comes in instead of being a dark black shape coming in with the sun behind it so that helps as well so that's how, that's how i truly approach and i move slow and right. when i say slow i'm moving a little bit at a time and i'll 
hold. I'm not pushing that push pole into the bottom real hard to try to make a pressure wave with the bow. I'm trying not to make sounds with the foot of the pole. I, I set the foot of the pole into the sea bottom and then I, I walk my hands up the pole instead of throwing it into the sea bottom. Same thing with a, if you're a trolling motor guy. I mean, man, many of us are. You may have to play the wind a little bit where you get up on the flat and let the wind carry you down. And for me, with a power pole, I literally pre-set the power pole where it's only three or four inches off the bottom. And with their Sea Monster app, you can literally, literally set the, the speed of the pole to very slow. Right. And that way, when you hit the down button, the power pole down button, it just sort of eases into the bottom and gradually slows you down where it's not a hard into the bottom and then cycling to try to hold you into some hard bottom. It allows you just to, to gently stop the boat. And that is a, a smart strategy when you're fishing for, for sea trout, where you're trying to minimize the impact of your boat in the, in the area, especially when you're, you're only one cast away from them. That's what you have to do. So those, those are, those are good tips for, for the weekend angler if they're wanting to get out there and, and target sea trout if they really want to catch those trout and when i call what i call gator trout and uh, you know for my clients in my region is a trout that's over 22 inches um many guides like to call every trout over 20 a gator but right. they start to change physically todd once they're about 22 inches uh, they change physically a little bit and it's not uncommon for folks fishing with me to catch fish 28, 29 inches long occasionally. Uh, I'd say our average when we start really focusing trips on these fish mm -hmm. are probably those 22 and 23 inch fish. Uh, and someone will get lucky and get a 25. But every once in a while, we get a really good cold front that really pile a lot of big fish in a particular spot. Sometimes that spot's a deep spot. You know, the, if, if the timing of their trip happens to be right on the day after the front, oftentimes I'll fish a residential canal or a river where there's a deeper hole where there's like 12, 12 15 feet of water. That's more of an insulating depth where the ice cold water only really is ice cold for a certain depth. And then there's a thermocline and the fish will sit down in that more constant water temperature at the bottom. And I'll fish a, a sinking plug and let it go all the way to the bottom and just barely pop it off the bottom and then let it fall back down to the bottom again where I'm not giving it much action. We catch a lot of big trout doing that, especially in residential canals, deeper residential canals. Hmm. That is a good tip if you're forced to fish right. that particular weekend, like the day after the front. I just go right to the residential canals, marinas, um, deeper holes and bends and rivers and creeks where these fish you know, historically will hold up. And those are fantastic zones, especially the edges that see a lot of sun, uh, which are usually the ones that face south. If a seawall faces south, because the sun is in that southern part of the hemisphere, the way it moves across the earth, those, those, uh, those seawalls get warmer. They see the sun the earliest part of the day, and it, they're lit up all day long. So they're like little radiators. So the docks on that side and the seawalls on that side and those canals, east-west canals, typically are the most productive. 
So when you talk about wintertime and, and the baits that you use, what, what are your favorite colors for, for top water, for the suspending baits? What, what do you, I mean, what do you do to choose that, that bait in the morning and what, uh, what one you're going to use? Well, it, you have a couple of different mindsets. So many of us like to do the match the hatch thing. Right. Um, and I think as anglers, we're all marketed uh, by bait companies to choose lures that look identical to the prey in the water. Here's the thing that that I always remind clients and students in my schools. Fish do not see what you see. And yes, it is nice to choose a lure that absolutely matches it. But what I like to try and do more, and I seem to have a lot more success with, is choose a lure that somewhat stands out. And I'm saying that because anyone who fishes on my boat knows that I love to use the color pink. And pink doesn't look like anything in nature, (laughs) but those trout take pink out faster. If I'm fishing a lure that has a good bit of pink in it and you're fishing one that's all white many times with sea trout, I'm going to outfish you. And, uh, and that's not on ability. It's just, they see it faster from a greater distance and it's something they can, they can take advantage of. So if you're fishing a flat that has an awful lot of finger mullet on it and it's really busy with finger mullet, how are they going to pick your perfectly mimicked lure that you chose with a black back and white side, silver sides and a white belly and choose that lure over all the natural bait that's swimming around them over the top of those holes. Or you could just throw one with a pink back and a white belly and you could throw it in there. And with 10,000 finger mullets swimming around them, I guarantee you they're going to see that pink one with the white belly. So, Pink is one of my favorite colors to catch trout with. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to have to. So anything, yeah, you got to test that theory. Because <laughs> I don't think I have a pink bait in my box. I know I don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go out yeah. and get some for sure. I uh, I came up with a color for mirror lure. I have it sort of in a custom palette of baits that I sell. Mm-hmm. And I call it, it has like a crystal crushed um flank insert in the bait so it has that very scaly look to it but but the belly and the back are hot pink i mean i'm not talking just pink i'm talking hot pink and we call that cotton candy on my boat but i'm telling you if you want to if you want to be in the trout circus you got to have a mouthful of cotton candy because that (laughs) that is one bait that absolutely drives them crazy and especially if it's a suspending bait, you know, a profile that they recognize as a, as a bait fish profile, boy, they, they run to that. It's a little harder to determine what they like when you're fishing top water. Cause when you fish top water, let's, let's face it. All they see is the belly of the bait. I mean, if you're working the top water really hard, they might see the flank of the bait, but typically they're only seeing the belly of the bait. So when I look at topwaters, I look at more of what the light conditions are, uh, moreover than the color of the bait. So the darker the conditions, the more apt I am to, to picking a bait with a darker belly. Uh, so if you had a really gray, cloudy, wintry day, 
and you picked a white belly, when the fish is looking up, Todd, and looking to the surface, if the sky is sort of silvery and gray and it has a white belly, it's harder for it to pick that bait out. It doesn't see it as readily as it would if the belly was orange or completely chartreuse or black for that matter, because that bait is going to silhouette. So you always have to think of it as what does the fish see? And on a bright day, naturally, you'd want something with a chartreuse belly or maybe even, you know, blue sky, it would be a white belly or a, or a pink belly. But that's how I choose the topwater colors. But for, for me as a real big enthusiast in throwing that suspending plug stuff with, from Paul Brown or from Mira Laura, it's hard to beat that pink, man. I'm telling you, pink, pink is a good color. That pink sounds... is an excellent color, and I would I would definitely say it is my favorite favorite color for for throwing them. If you have a hard time putting pink in your box, and I know some guys are going to have a hard time saying I'm not going to buy a bunch of pink lures, I want a lure that will catch a lot of different things. Uh, one that I like a lot, and I know everyone that knows me, you know me very well because we're good buddies. Yep. Uh, know know that I'm I'm professional grade when it's on the show and everything else. But when I'm with my fishing buddies, everything's fair game. I'm not PC at all. So another color that I like a lot is called redheaded stepchild. That's another custom bait color that I use a lot. And what it is, it's more of a chrome or cracked glass silver look. But the head is a dark red. And again, it allows the fish to be able to pick your lure out over all the other bait in the water. And it's a contrast. Anytime you have two colors that contrast, I mean greatly contrast, it's a lot easier for that predator fish to see it from a greater distance. It's one thing for a fish to look up where there's lots of light and be able to see what's what he's hitting. It's another thing when he has to look horizontally through the water where there's lots of particulate. That line of viz is a lot more limiting. So when you have those brighter colors or those two-tone bicolors that contrast, they can see that bait from maybe 10 feet away where something that's very natural or organic in one color, they might only see it half that distance. So what you do is you expand your strike zone by picking those contrasting colors. So think about that when you're buying baits. Don't always pick the stuff that looks like the real McCoy. Sometimes it's fun just to pick something that looks like it's in the Muse Parade the day before Fat Tuesday in New Orleans. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's those are some some great tips for sure. And it's, uh, yeah, you don't think about that. And I when you're out there, you know, if it's not working, you know, let's change it up. I think that's one of the things that you that you preach all the time as well. Yeah, when you're if there's two guys fishing in a boat or you're fishing with your wife or whatever, the best thing to do is have two people throwing colors that are vastly great in in contrast. So um, the biggest contrast would have one throw a, a lure that's dark purple or black, and the other one throw one that's white. But when you do that, uh, you'll find out what end of the spectrum the fish are wanting to strike um, because it's to make subtle changes, you can't get a good a vibe on it but by making big changes like that you really can and that's what's always worked for me because for years i was a tournament angler and you had to figure and pattern this stuff out really fast you didn't have time to waste and we power fished a lot and 
and changing lures quite a bit. So I have a lot of confidence in whatever I'm throwing and, and, and that's a lesson in itself. If you believe in what you're doing and believe in what you're throwing, you'll catch more fish just on that alone. Just, just having confidence in your tackle bag is, is a big deal. It's really a big deal. But if, if I were going to talk two things that you really, or two or three things that you really have to take away, I call it what you really need to know. If you want to catch big trout, you got to fish slow. You got to be quiet and you got to throw a big bait. Try to resist throwing those smaller two and a half, three, four inch lures. They catch fish. They catch lots of fish, but they're not always going to catch the biggest fish. You're going to catch 18 inch trout. You're going to catch 19 inch trout. You're going to catch 20 inch trout. Occasionally you'll catch a big one. But if you only want to catch the big trout, the 22 pluses, you have to think about throwing lures that are five, six, and seven inches long because those are the lures that the really big trout want to hit. That's just, that's a fact. They just want to hit those bigger baits. So don't throw anything smaller than five inches long if you really want to catch big trout. Well, I tell you, CA, every time you're on here and we talk, I'll tell you, I'm always learning something new. And for, for everybody that uh, is listening, where can they go to get more tips? Well, the, be- the best uh, channel for us is the Flats Class slash YouTube channel. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find lots of free fishing tips that we put on there all the time. A lot of the same strategies and tactics that we use on the show. And uh, you can follow us there. Uh, another, another place to learn about where my live fishing school schedule is going to be or some of the, the lures we talked about today here on the podcast. They can go to uh, CaptainCARichardson.com, which is C-A-P-T-C-A-Richardson.com. If they go there, the cotton candy lure is on there, the red-headed stepchild lure is on there, the low country boil, the Bloody Mary. Um, you'll notice that there's lots of them after my favorite cocktails. Yes, <laughs> I do enjoy the spirits. But, uh, but those, those, are, those are fantastic colors. They're, they're colors that work. I have fun with them but their colors that work have always worked for me and they are all derived from me tying bucktail jigs in the exact colors that I wanted to throw. And, and so I was like, well, I'll just tell Eric, these are the baits I want to, you know, to, to use with mirror lore. Can you make me some custom baits up? And, and lo and behold, he did. And, and now Z-Man's doing it for me. Uh, Z-Man's making a lot of soft plastics for me in some custom colors so that you can catch them there. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier some of the places that I'll be coming up. Uh, I will be at the Miami Boat Show. I'll be at the Miami Boat Show in mid-February, and you can catch me either in the Evinrude uh, area, which will be out on the docks, or you can catch me for sure over at Hell's Bay Boatworks. Um, I spend most of my time with my family over there. Right. Uh, and also Raymarine. Ray I'm always over at Raymarine while I'm there. If you're in the electronics tent, just find out from uh, – from Kurt or Jim over there, what time I'll be there because usually they schedule me to be there uh, every Miami boat show. Uh, I'm also going to be at the, uh, the Gulf to Lake Marine uh, open house that they're having in Lacanto. I believe that is about March uh, 9th or 10th over in Lacanto, Florida. Um, that's not too far from my new home. And I'll be, I think it's 
sometime in March, I'll have this on my website. I'll be at the Customer Appreciation Day for Marine Supply in Winter Haven, Florida. We'll be doing another live class. It's to be announced. It'll either be in Titusville or Melbourne, but that's going to pop up here probably in late March. And then um, if you follow me on YouTube, you'll see that we do a, a little section on there called Captain CA on the Fly, and we try to show some of the background stuff and around our shoots, our film shoots. So we've got one scheduled for the St. John's River, one for Crystal River Ozello Zone and Cedar Key that will be coming up between now and April. So you can be entertained a little bit there. And that, that stuff's <laughs> not edited down and professional like like Force Fox does for us for for television. It's pretty crude, uh, raw, and unfiltered. And I know so many of us <laughs> enjoy that. So that's awesome. Then you're also going to be in, in Charleston coming up here, aren't you? I am leaving for Charleston right and early in the morning. I am going to swing by, pick up the Captains for Clean Water skiff, and I'm going to drag that up there. And it's going to be in, at the Shallow Water Expo. Hadrill's Point Tackle puts that on. They do a really good job. Uh, it's, it's a small fishing expo. They've got a couple of really good speakers. Uh, Captain Jot Owens will be there. He's from the, uh, Moorhead, Swansboro and Wilmington zone. So you can listen to him. Captain, uh, Mark Nichols from DOA Lures will be there as well. Um, he'll be there. Uh, Brian Latimer, who's an FLW touring pro and a Z-Man pro staffer. And he has a YouTube following that's crazy big. He does straight up fishing. So he, uh, he, he's a guy who reminds me of, of, of a guy that can really connect with everybody, whether you're a youngster, an old guy, a city kid, a country kid. Uh, Brian appeals to everyone. So if you've never seen straight up fishing, you need to, you need to, uh, pay attention to Brian Latimer. He is a pretty, pretty interesting cat. And then of course yours truly will be there, um, preaching the good word for Z-Man and Mirror Lore and Aqua Dream Spoons. And, and I'll have some custom fishing rods there that I've been working on with John Beckwith from Falcon Rod. Oh, cool. And I'll be also talking a little bit about, you know, what's going on with captains for clean water because, uh, water issues plague everywhere, just not Florida. Right. Um, Florida's got a large share of them, um, but they plague all areas that have septic sewer issues and big industry that are pumping chemicals into the water. And I don't want people in South Carolina to think that Captains for Clean Water is only a Florida-based organization. Uh, I would expect sometime in the future, um, once we get a few things resolved here and they're, they're getting more and more traction, that this is going to be a chapter style organization that will be able to uh, help people in all states that are having water quality issues because, you know, there's more and more people here. And, uh, and if we don't pay attention, we, got, we can have some serious issues. Yeah, that's for sure. And some, some good strides in, in the state of Florida here the last couple of weeks. It's uh, exciting oh, news and yeah. um, can't thank the guys at Captains for enough for all the work they do and, and commitment to, you know, clean water. Those guys, those guys are, they're one of us. You know how they are. We've known right. them as fishing guides before this ever happened. You know, Dan Andrews, a, a young guide, 
just just a savant when it comes to understanding the ecosystem. And then Chris Whitman, I mean, I've competed against Chris Whitman. I've known Chris forever. I mean, I've known him for 20 years. And he's just a good, solid citizen. And, and what I really appreciate about those two guys is they're every man. Um, they represent us all. They're not a slick-talking lawyer. and They're not, you know, they're not the pretty boy types that are getting paid some ungodly amount of money. And it, it's, a, it's a grassroots organization. These guys are really putting their lives on hold to do this for us. And, you know, thank, thankfully, Governor Ron DeSantis got elected and, and he made some huge, huge steps in the first few days of his um, administration. I mean, he just got inaugurated and within 48 hours, he was already attacking the water issues. Yeah, and those, those are, that is just so refreshing to see uh, a policymaker actually doing something that he said he was going to do. I mean, it just doesn't happen in Florida. So much of the things that go on in Florida is controlled by big business. And uh, Ron DeSantis is fucking the system. And he really is a governor of the people. And uh, I am so happy that we got behind him and, uh, and he made it happen for us because I don't, you know, water is a serious issue here in Florida. And for, for those of, of, of those that don't know, I mean, it, 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 it really determines public health, your property value, uh, the economy here. Uh, there's so many things that hinge on, on water quality. And the way we enjoy, you know, that's why we're here in Florida. We enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so you know, I would encourage everybody to uh, support Captains for Clean Water and, and join in the fight. Yeah, they can. And, and they could use all the help they could get. That's right. I mean, and if, you, if, if you're someone listening and you don't know much about Captains for Clean Water, go to captainsforcleanwater.org. Look at what they're doing. Um, it, it's a, it's an organization that's just based off saving the Everglades, stopping the pump outs from Lake Okeechobee going into Martin County and into, uh, um, Charlotte and Lee counties. But it, they're also going to address some of the, uh, the chemical pollution that we have in these other areas and even start to take on red tide, which has really, really been a big problem, um, especially the last two or three years, it's, it's affected our fisheries. So we need to, we need to get behind the, that group there. And power pole, power is another group that does an awful lot of stuff. Um, they've done great. They've done some great support for, you know, people think power pole, you know, they're behind tournament fishing and this, that, and the other thing, but they do things also that are very environmentally friendly. They, they donate an awful lot to CCA here in Florida uh, they do a lot over there at Tampa Bay Watch, and that is a success program there at Tampa Bay Watch. Um, Dr. Peter Clark and those guys have done a fantastic job. And I sat down with Kurt Hill and Casey Carpenter yesterday and had about a 30-minute conversation about the Kings Bay restoration here in Crystal River and the Save Crystal River effort um, where they're, they're doing grass planting here. And they've got a mechanism that will actually remove blue-green algae from the water. Wow, and and what they're and what they're looking to do is they got a big grant from the state, and we're looking to put power poles on every tour boat between Homosassa 
and basically all the way up here to uh, Crystal River. And there are a lot of tour boats. There's a lot of people that come here from Europe and, and all over the U.S. to to get to to see and 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 understand the manatee. And with that many people in the water around here, snorkeling and tour boats and whatnot, we need to make sure there's power poles on all those boats so that there's no negative impact to the grass and the sea bottom here. So right. that's sort of what I'm fostering here in my new community is to make sure that um, we see to it that power pole finds the way its way onto every transom around here uh, to make sure that we have plenty of seagrass and plenty of manatees. I'm sure if Jimmy Buffett is listening, he's happy about that. <laughs> so. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, power pole has always been committed to conservation and the environment and, and it's uh, always a focus for sure. Yeah, they're they're just they're a leader in the in the marine accessory business, and always have been for twenty years. My relationship's been with John and, and the team there, and and I mean innovation and superior customer service, product integrity has always been right up there. But people don't realize what they contribute to environmental causes as well. Yeah, thousands of dollars a year for sure. Well, CA, yes. you know, I, I just can't thank you enough. It's always, always a pleasure. And, and like I said before, always, you know, learn some great tips and techniques for, for getting out on the water and appreciate it. And, and, you know, really look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. There's a lot of big news and announcements coming up for, for power with some new products and uh, we'll get you back on here again for sure. Absolutely. I, I want to be a part of it and try to get me on here before tarpon season. I'd love to talk tarpon with your audience. You bet. We will for sure. Thanks again, CA, and uh, good fishing. Thanks, Todd. Happy New Year to you, buddy. You too. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, just go to power-pole.com and click on the chat tab. Stay up to date on our upcoming PowerPole podcasts and let us know that you tuned in by following and tagging us on Instagram at power.pole and by using the hashtag PowerPoleDown. Thanks again, and we'll power pull down with everyone again soon. I got my power pole down. Stuck in the mud in the bottom of the lake. Sitting so still.